have you seen um, <clears throat> the uh, Black AF? I have not. Uh, I've heard good things about it, not just from you, but from uh, others as well. I I really enjoy that. I think it's it's very brisk. There's there's only two. There's only one super size forty seven minute episode, and the rest are like sitcom and length. They're like thirty four minutes. Um, and there's what's a two, the structure a, of the show? Well, here's the thing. I was I never watched Blackish, but everyone says this is just Blackish with like cuss words. Okay, which, which I mean, it's it's Netflix. I get it. Obviously, it's gonna be that. Um, but it is pretty much the daughters doing a documentary on the family, and that's how it's kind of like uh, the office, like subversive, like that. Okay, but okay. It, way, it is a mockumentary. It, it's like a mockumentary, but also is like the it's it's also like. I said the office already, so it's like it's like the office, but also curb. Okay. Together. Okay, great. Because he does reference, and they do talk about uh, blackish and mixedish, and there are people there that live that like Issa Rae is Issa Rae, you know, like the, the same curb. Yeah. Type. So this, this, it's like it's like a fake version of the real world, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and I think that it really kind of there there is there is an episode episode five that that I think every creative, uh, especially like people of color specifically can can uh, you know uh can uh, really connect to in a lot of ways and i think really just him kenya barris being a creative in the sense that he's trying to uplift his people but also please the the mass consumption audience is, yeah. is really a, a really good tightrope that he kind of walks here and yeah i think it's got a bad rap i think it is really good I, there are some things like the first episode's rough really rough because the, it, it introduces you to the characters and kind of like a crash course yeah. because it's like you, they're not, they're unlikable, but then you start like, as you go on, you start to kind of find your personality, but it's like, I, it's never a good idea to just crash course your, your, uh, your audience into these characters that are unlikable because yeah. they, they all are at the, at the, at the, uh, at the beginning of it. Yeah. I mean, the last show that was successful at that was like, uh, we've been talking about it. Uh, Eastbound and down, which, Kenny uses seven racial slurs within the first like four minutes of the show, uh, but uh, could never be on today. No, no, yeah, it's like it, stuff just can't generate like the the goodwill of like. Oh, I don't have to like. I have to worry about being called out for watching this by the third episode. I can't give it that many chances. Yeah, there there are a lot of like colorism remarks about it as well. I don't know if you've like. But I mean, that's a pretty real thing, as far as I yeah, but, understand it. So maybe you know, it's proving its own point by existing. But I think that with Black AF, how are you gonna say, oh, like it's based on his his life, like his actual ex wife is light skinned I know this is probably too deep for recalling Saul, but I'll I'll <laughs> get my point off and then I'll intro the show. It's our finale episode. But like, how can you say that this guy who is mirroring his own life? his own ex-wife who is light-skinned and his family who is light-skinned had six kids on the show, six kids in real life too. How can you say he's being like, like this is his real life. And I feel like it would be wrong if me, I'm not light-skinned. If I were to be like, okay, my whole family's like, that's not going to be real. That's not real. You know, like this is at least real. And yes, this is a problem, but I feel like you're attacking the wrong guy for this problem. Right. So like, I think that again, it's very hard to to judge 
African-American art and, 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 and black art without there just being this, this sense where it's like, we got to tear it down too a little bit. Right. And, and that's the tough part about black, black AF or whatever. I hate the name, but like <laughs> it, it, it is, I don't know. I, I think there's so many things going on with it. And, and well, I think that it's kind of like you're saying with, uh, with like the, the episode that you're talking about where, you know, any creative can kind of latch onto the episode, especially any black creative can latch onto the episode. Yeah. And that's because what any creative is experiencing, any creative that belongs to any minority or any marginalized group is going to be experiencing an even more, I don't know, mind bending microcosm of the same thing. Because if you're, you know, let's say you are making, you know, if you're pitching a horror movie to mm -hmm. uh, a studio, you have to pitch something that is both going to get a studio to make your movie and also get horror fans to like your movie. But, but if you're, you know, representing any sort of marginalized group whatsoever, you have an added element of basically like a, like if there's not just horror fans, but there's like another, you're pleasing, like you, you, the, the audience you're trying to be loyal to grows in a more intense way, more rapidly uh, when you're not just, you know, ex white guy walking into a room. And loudly too. And, and yeah. he, he, he talks about that. And, and I think there's so many things that people are just missing because they're choosing to either label this, you know, another blackish ripoff or he's able to talk about some things in this show that I'm pretty sure ABC wouldn't allow him to do. And this is the reason why he left ABC and, and Disney was to be able to talk about these stories and talk about other uh, things that he talks about on the show. So I definitely recommend that. But I also want to thank you guys for tuning in. <laughs> to episode nine of Recalling Saul. This is our season finale. This is, of course, a podcast about AMC's Better Call Saul, starring Bob Odenkirk, Rhea Seahorn, Jonathan Banks, Jim Juan Carlo Esposito, and more. We are, we are, we are at the end, my friend. End of the road. This is uh, the final episode of season five. What a spectacular season! Everyone is talking about it. I think the uptick and the amount of people that have been talking about this show for the past three weeks has been very much like so much higher than, than I've seen uh, any other season for better call. Saul. I have to say like, there's been a lot of talk about this show and, and I'm very glad to see it. And we've been begging for people to talk about the show, <laughs> Pat, and they're finally doing it. Have you seen it? It may. Yeah, I have. And it may be, uh, it may be a few things. I mean, a lot of, a lot of dramas get more attention when they're, you know, at the end of their, uh, broadcasting life or whatever uh just be because of the fact that they're winding down and they get more press because of that and more people pretending like they ever supported the show because of that you know like you know kobe's final season had more people acting like they were fans of kobe bryant than had actually been fans of kobe bryant but it also is true that for a lot of dramas they don't people the, the way people watch television has changed and is still changing and for a lot of dramas people don't latch on until the very end i mean the, game, of, game of thrones was so so popular but by the end of the, the the last two seasons of the show felt very different than the rest of the show even though the rest of the show was really popular yeah absolutely and and again you know not i i'm not mad i i i, I forgive every one of you if you're jumping on the bandwagon yeah, uh, late yeah. I, I forgive you it's completely fine we got another year to wait we got another 13 weeks to do this let's 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 get right into it uh, this episode, episode 10, 
Uh, I'm gonna we're gonna get through this episode. We're gonna give our thoughts. We're gonna give you know our our closing thoughts on the season uh, and wrap it all up in a nice little bow. This episode is called Something Unforgivable. Last season we had something stupid. This season we have something unforgivable. Uh, we'll we'll find out what that is a little bit later. This opens up once again right after the la- the end of the last episode, which uh, had us talking all about the bad choices on the road. Uh, we, we open <laughs> once again with the eyes. I love the eye imagery in this season. Uh, Kim's eye through the door. Uh, the the, the, the good looking eyeballs on this show. I have I do not have good looking eyes. I'm pretty jealous. <laughs> Uh, but we see it again, and and I want to I want to zoom in on that on on the eye metaphor because once again, these are the eyes of people that see through things. So Kim sees through the door; she sees the danger walk away, but she also saw the danger in the thermos that got shot. Lalo saw the the gunshot, and we saw his eye. Eyes have been very integral to this season, and very integral to Breaking Bad as well. If you remember the uh, the furry, the fuzzy. Uh, I from season, uh, I believe two with with the plane crash. Yes, uh, yes. Season three, it was two or three. It was probably three. That right? reminds me, we need that bear, man. I it's expensive. No, I, you can get it on StockX for retail. Okay, well, we're, I, we, I'll, we're posing with the bear as soon as quarantine is over. I'll leave that up to you. But uh, you know, I'm, I, I'm the stuffed animal king. But I, I I I talk about the eyes to say that I think that is a major central theme here is that the eyes are deceiving us. And the fact that we, the first thing that we see is Kim's eyes does go into this episode. I might be thinking too far into this, Pat. Please stop me if I am. But uh, I thought that it was very nice and I put it in my notes. Um, I, we, we then go straight to uh, Jimmy uh, picking back up the phone with Mike, who ha- heard the whole thing that happened last episode with Kim defending him. And Mike does say, uh, I heard enough to know that she saved your ass, which got <laughs> pop out of me. Love that. Uh, Kim asks, who was on the phone? And Jimmy finally admits to Kim what really happened. Stupid He's, idiot should have done it right away. Earlier, way earlier than, than he did there. Um, but he, he says that he and Kim should leave and he gets them an expensive hotel instead because he thinks that it's, it's better because there's more people there, which I, I'll agree. Yeah. Uh, the shots in this room are amazing. Uh, I, I think that this is the first time this, this show, to me, looks better uh, even though it's smaller scale, it looks more like a movie, right? This looked like fucking quantum this Solace hotel did, did look like a movie. Yeah, I didn't. It had, didn't really hit me until you just said it now, but it definitely looked less TV. I mean, a lot of it looked less TV. Uh, These past three episodes have looked like a completely different show. I'm just going like, to be real. It's like blow up. Yeah, it, it looks like it. There was the money. Uh, the money all rushed to these last three episodes, and you definitely see why. Um, you see, you see uh, Jimmy look a little bit despondent and he asks Kim if she thinks that he's bad for her. And I'm like, oh, you've never thought of that before, huh? And, and hey, you, know, you dumb bitch. Uh, Kim says, you know, Jimmy, you crossed the line and you're not going to do it again, right? And, you know, we are, we are left there for the title card. Nice uh, opening, set, opening segment there. Uh, I think the theme of this episode, and I, I guess we can get to it right now, there are no big sweeping deaths in this episode there are no no one dies no one there is there are there are revelations there are things that happen but i noticed on the timeline on monday and, and going into tuesday a lot of people were underwhelmed because they felt as though certain things were and i'll get to the the gus part later but they felt as though nothing happened the, the, here's the thing nothing happened and before i let you go pat my argument to this we're on the penultimate season of a show 
that has a very little cast pool. There are very little people in this cast. Yeah. That you could, if you killed someone on this cast, that's why there's only been one person that has died, period. I, I mean, obviously, the ramifications of someone dying, there are only really two people that can die right now. Right? Yeah, exactly. Like, okay, who... Who do you who do you want to die? Like, uh, I mean, we could that involves like the the only two people of I mean, Nacho, Lalo, and Kim are the only people who could die. If Kim had died in this last episode, that would have been absolute insanity. Yeah. Uh, if oh, Lalo or Nacho could have died, I really liked that they didn't uh, didn't kill Lalo. Uh, I uh, they almost created a version of the story in which Nacho could never reappear. Like we could just not see him again. I don't right. think that's the case, but they almost did that. Yeah, uh, and it, I, I just really, I just have who a do they problem. Want to die? Who? I just have a problem with there having to be a thing that happens in the in the final episode. And I've been rewatching The Wire. Me and you talked about this before the show yeah. went, to, went on air. But I was like, nothing happens. Like things happen haphazardly in The Wire. Like yeah. as far as deaths and and things but you always know in the episode before the last episode in every hbo show that's when something happens yeah and the last episode is to clean up everything that happened in the, in the episode before and get you ready better call saul doesn't really and it's never really had an episode that was like knocked down drag out like that the last season literally ended with saul saying better call saul or no he said i'm sorry he said it's all good man and yeah. then he and then he walked away and, and we, we we had to wait another year so essentially, I I don't get the the disappointment here. Like nothing was building, like anything that was escalated that already got de-escalated in episode nine. Yeah, like that's that's a complaint. Like in the first season, like if you thought you were still watching Breaking Bad, yeah, but and, it's you're. I mean, you're obviously not. And so I, I get that the shows are blurring. Like we are getting closer, and people are antsy. We saw Hank this year. We saw a lot of stuff happen this yeah, year. Another, but again, another person who is immune from anything truly crazy happening. Exactly. And I, I'm just wondering what people were expecting. Explosions. I'm, I'm like, I don't... This was, to me, as tight of a bow you could put it without giving away your hand for the next season. I, I knew nothing could, could happen. We, we were worried about a breakup, maybe. But we saw that in episode five. Yeah, and yeah. and like it, it's it, this is all you know this is all come you know we in fact coming into this week me and you didn't know what was gonna happen, and I think we're we're all better for it. Like this show keeps us on our feet, and that's why we continue to watch it. So that's my rant. This is the final episode. We're gonna get off all of our our final thoughts. <laughs> uh, so back from break, we're back with Gus and Mike. This is the only time we see Gus this episode. Um, Gus is surveying the best. Think. I mean, they don't. Yes. They don't have that much more to do with Gus, and that's not a knock on the character, that's not, or anything, or Esposito. He's obviously great, but they—it's a prequel. And if you're talking about, there's not a lot of deaths. Well, guess what? There's only so much you can do with the pre-existing characters. Exactly, as we've seen. Uh, we're, Gus is surveying the damage from the arson of Los Pollos Hermanos, uh, and Mike confirms that Lalo is across the border, but he went with Nacho. He surmises that Lalo is trying to promote Nacho and that he can't reach him, but he knows that Nacho is going to get caught in the middle. Gus doesn't think this is a bad idea. He says that he tells Mike that the fact that Nacho doesn't know that Lalo is going to get killed could be used to their advantage. I like his I like his his, his scheme here. I, I like yeah. the way Gus thought here. He's very good at what he does. He's I mean, 
Gus is kind of a loser. Nobody would ever want to be be his friend. Uh, he doesn't want <laughs> he doesn't want any friends clearly, but he couldn't also couldn't get one if he wanted. Absolutely not. Uh, once again, we had another long episode here. We had a commercial right after this five minute uh, segment. This drove me insane this week. Yeah, I well, it's especially it's especially maddening because if you're watching it uh, like on an app like you and I are you don't even see like a variation of stupid local commercials. You only see the same like uh, Brad Paisley, Peyton Manning insurance commercial oh over and yes. over again. Or the Spectrum uh, Spectrum commercial, whatever, yeah. like the, the internet commercial. I hate it. But yeah, yeah it, it's, it's, it's terrible. It fucking sucks. <laughs> uh, but after the break, we're at two. We're, we're, we're going to Chihuahua, Mexico, and Lalo's home. And we see the Salamancas and all their glory. Brandishing AKs from boy to man. Tony Dalton. I got to give it up to this guy. When he rolls the window down, his face. He's so good at this shit, Pat. I love I, it. I paused it. And clearly, I mean, clearly we agreed. And I'm sure so many people did. But as soon as the window rolled down, I paused it and emailed myself. Cover art. Lalo window. Uh, so we we see that there's no escape for for nacho here he is he is clearly stuck there across the border there's no way for him to get back home at least not without lalo uh in tow but we get we we see he doesn't have any any phone service either i love nacho uh seeing or or seeing it from his eyes because that's a lot of what i love about this show is that we can't see the gus cartel thing from the eyes of mike who's hardened or Gus, who's been around and they want to keep mysterious, or even Tuco, we have to see it from someone like who could really be us, and that's Nacho. And and I think that it's cool that he's finally gone across the, to meet the Don, and we get to see this from that side because we've seen it from Jesse's side, and now we get to see it from Nacho's side, from someone who actually is a part of this and has been a part of this. Yeah, and somebody who has something to lose just in, I mean. Jesse experienced it after Gus was already uh, in his head. Yeah. In his head and in power in a lot of ways. And Gus himself was in power in a lot of ways or more so than he is in this show, obviously. And Nacho was kind of experiencing it. Gus is in his head, but not to, not in the same way. And he, he Nacho's down here and it's anything could happen, obviously. Yeah. So we go right back uh, to Jimmy uh, we see Kim preparing to go back to work, and I think this is key to Kim's character and her attitude and the way she has maneuvered since literally three episodes ago. Uh, of course, he doesn't want her to go because he fears for his safety, so he tries to come up with a bunch of distractions like a spa day, and he'll buy spa swimsuits. day. Everybody loves a spa day. <laughs> They'll buy swimsuits at the gift shop and stuff like that. Uh, but he it's says easier for a man than a woman, I would imagine. Way easier. A swimsuit at a gift shop. <laughs> Do not want, do not make him wear whatever has been. They, they let people try those on there. I'm yeah, pretty come sure. on, come on. Don't, don't let them, don't let her do that. Uh, he believes, uh, Jimmy believes that Lalo, you know, if, if Lalo knows there's a loose end, he'll come and take care of it. But Kim doesn't think so. And she doesn't think they should be living their lives in fear. This episode is moving mighty briskly at this point. Uh, but I have to, I think it's key that once we know at the end of what's happening, Kim is clearly not the same here right i think the most interesting thing about this is for a re- i mean a really long time on the show longer than this season longer than just the last season you've wondered like oh kim is like you know in any other version of watching this scene it's like oh kim is getting dressed 
it's this, her actions here are kind of a fuck you to Jimmy. Like she's saying yeah. like, Hey, I'm not happy about what's going on here. Like, come on, I don't like this, but actually she's just like really cold and calculating and is like doing this in a totally machine like way. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I love that. She said that. And we're going to get back to that. Uh, we essentially go right back to a commercial <laughs> after Jimmy calls Mike. There's some longer there. sequences later. Well, yeah, I'll, there are, there I'll are, give them that. There are, there are. Uh, so we are, we're back from break and Kim is at court trying to fill more public defender work. Uh, <laughs> this is a great scene. I have to say like the, the, the fact that she's still going back, we don't know why yet. And I have my theories on it and I'll get to it a little bit later. But uh, she goes to meet a public defender uh, by the name of Grant, and uh, she asks for something a, li- a little bit more, a little bit more personal, a little bit more like with heart. He points to his chest, so he's, he she asks for twenty felonies, twenty <laughs> felonies. So he takes her to the this spooky, is insane. He takes her to a spooky room full of felonies, and I was the like, felony closet. I was like, what? It, it, as what? I don't want to get too much into why this is significant, but let's let's keep a a, a let's keep a, a button here as to the fact that every single crime, every single case that's been left there is there for Kim, and we know how diligent she is just from a couple seasons ago when she called literally everyone in the world to try and get uh, <laughs> <laughs> to try and get out of the basement at uh, HHM. So let's just keep that in a button there. Yeah. Uh, so we go back to Mexico after the break. And Lalo is doing some mechanic work, and he tells Nacho how to act around Don Eladio. Uh, Nacho gets a call, and he excuses himself privately, and he gets a call from one of Gus's men telling him to leave Lalo's place at 3 a.m. through a back gate. Nacho attempts to warn them about the innocents that are still there, but they hang up. They now, don't Nacho, care. Nacho, they don't care about innocents. You know this guy. Come on, bro. What, what did you feel about the uh, Nacho getting away into the bathroom? Uh... You know, it's. I thought that maybe if there was any weak link in this episode, it was actually uh, Nacho's excuses for leaving rooms and stuff. And like when he lit the pan on fire, and you know, I was like, everybody's buying this stuff pretty easily. Nacho's actually. Uh, I mean, it, the scenes were filmed very. The filmmaking of them was very good. Nacho just ultimately, other than them failing to kill Lalo, Nacho's everything worked out for Nacho. Basically, he got away with everything. Uh, So we we go back from break and we get the scene that we've been waiting for. This is worth the price of admission alone to me, Pat. I don't care if no one died. Uh, But we see Kim uh, bump into Howard with the the, the literal... (laughs) She's holding all the felonies. Yeah. Uh, in her and, and, and again, the, the, the I think I'll, I'll go ahead and say this now for next year, season six. This is uh, this is the smoking gun. This is the MacGuffin. This is the felonies? I think. And and it's crazy that the the interaction with Howard ended up being something related to that, and not. I mean, I thought that your call was good. That it, I, uh, I called it. I, I did call it. That it was uh, about that, the drum. Yeah, I thought that it was going to be that she was going to be pissed. At, I mean, obviously, it's a, the the version of Kim that we, that you predicted was reacting to that isn't even the version of Kim that exists in the show. Right. But I I thought uh, Kim finding out that he'd offered Jimmy the job was going to be a huge plot point to this episode. But nope, not something that happened. Yeah, not not at all. <laughs> uh, 
Kim tells Howard that she isn't a part of Schweikert anymore, and she left Mesa Verde, and he asks her where she went, and she says she's out on her own, and he asks her why. He then asks her to talk. Uh, he tells her about the job offer that he offered to Jimmy, that we, we've been wondering where this is going to end up, and yeah. this, is, this is why it happened, uh, and how Jimmy threw the bowling balls over his gate, the hooker gag, and the blow-up from a couple of episodes ago, and Kim starts laughing. And it's at this point, Pat, when I'm watching this, that I'm like, there's something that's broken. Not broken in her, but there's something that is, like, switched. Yeah, on not, not what point. we thought. Not at all. Uh, she starts laughing, and Howard says that, you know, he's, like, Kim is basically like, is that it? Because, again, the timing for Howard, as always, is terrible, because Kim knows, like, Kim's past 24 hours. Yeah. She's like, this motherfucker just got shot at in the desert. <laughs> and like a, the, the, a kingpin drug dealer was in my living room. Exactly. About bowling balls and hookers. Uh, so Howard sees, you know, that Jimmy is spiraling out of control. And, and he thinks that it has something to do. Or he thinks that Jimmy has something to do with why Kim left Mesa Verde. Or his, 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 his grab over her, his hold over her. Uh, Kim says that she knows Jimmy and that Howard's wrong. And then Howard says, you know who really knew Jimmy? Chuck. And then that is that's that's the that's the yeah very that's, hard that's the needle drop right there that's very the nasty drop. yeah I, I I liked I I really like Patrick Fabian I think he's great um I think he's been spectacular oh, the Lacroix is cracked you know it's my other favorite foreign named canned beverage it's a Modelo oh okay wow okay the Modelo is cracked oh you got to keep it real uh, Albuquerque here exactly yes that was my thought as well um I I it love is this great he's so I mean it's he's he's one of the he's like the seventh supporting character in the show but how unlikely is it that this random law exec from the first couple seasons is like one of the last characters left in the show yeah it's it's crazy and and the fact that again it's the pillars of hhm each each one of them going down and i think that once again like kim finds her resolve in a jimmy like way from this interaction with howard who for a very long time was tormenting her as well, but trying to trying to teach her how, like, I guess, tough love, which is what he's explained before, but it's it's gone the other way. Like, like Kim is now at this point, she's like venom. Like she's like a protest. She's she is literally like, you know, the the scales of justice to her are are widely skewed against, of course, the 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 big guy. But in, in trying to help the little guy, I think Kim is taking what Jimmy's doing and subverting it in a very bad way. And we'll talk more about that in a second. Um, back from break, Jimmy is at Mike's house demanding to be let in. I love this scene. Once again, Odenkirk, you forget that he's funny. Yeah. But then you see these scenes. <laughs> and then you're like, okay, he was Mr. Show. He wasn't Mr. Show. So, yes. Uh, Mike pulls up on him. <laughs> he's a, it's, a, it's a classic gag of knocking on someone's door and then they show up behind uh, you and they're so good at that type of thing uh mike won't tell him what happened because of information that jimmy can't have but jimmy says that he's worried about kim and mike relents and tells jimmy that lalo isn't thinking about jimmy which we all know and <laughs> yes. that in that lalo is, is going to die on that night uh he asked jimmy to leave because he has family coming over and <laughs> we have another break uh back to mexico we're back at the house they love this house i think they got every single bit of shooting that they could out of yeah. these this the the legendary house the the salute house if you will uh but we're here with don Eladio and juan bolsa who we already know set up the attack on saul from uh two episodes ago he's come up short on his payment 
due to Lalo's interference. Of course, uh, Eladio's looking at the payment that they have from Gus, and he's like, what is going on here? Uh, he assures him that the issues are over, but just at that moment, uh, Lalo appears. Uh, and Juan says it was very, it, it was, and, and the thing is, the thing I loved about this scene and this, this, this next interaction between Juan and Lalo is that you don't know if Lalo knows that Juan is the person who set him up. Yeah. But when Juan says it must have been expensive to get to, you know, for, for him to get out of jail, Lalo blows it off. And I, it's, it's very subtle storytelling here that I don't think Lalo trusts anyone in that house, but he's just there to, to, uh, to kind of keep up appearances. What did you feel about it? Yeah, because he does. I mean, he thinks he knows, you know, where where his troubles lie, I guess, but he's not sure. Yeah, yeah. He, and doesn't, he doesn't know how high up, uh, you know, Gus is, uh, uh, you know, in how, how high up Gus has uh, infiltrated people against him. Yeah, and, and again, that's why he shows up to flex, of course, for Don Eladio. He bought him a, a brand new car, Magnum P.I., <laughs> So great. Uh, and, and I love the Frank line because Lalo does inform him that the model that he got on this the, model, the trunk is in the front. It's a Frank. Yeah. There's, I mean, these, they get the best performances out of people. Absolutely. Uh, Lalo gifts uh, the Don a large sum of money, way bigger than Frank's paltry take. And he intros Nacho to, to the Don. Uh, he makes fun of Nacho <laughs> for being friends with Tuco. <laughs> Which is really good line there. I think it's great. I, yeah. I love the foreshadowing of Tuco. They're, even though we know what happens to Tuco, they're still making it like, okay, this guy's definitely a problem, and he is someone that everyone knows is not all quite there. Um, then the Eladio gives Nacho his most important job interview ever. Nacho says he's going to take territory from biker gangs, which causes Eladio to be a little bit cynical about it until Nacho says he'll turn them against each other and take their business. He asks Nacho what he, want, what he wants, and he says respect. And Eladio says, you know, if you want respect and you don't want to look over your shoulder all your life, you're in the wrong business. He says salute. And then they toast. Really like that scene. I Great really scene. Great scene. Go, go ahead. I, I think uh, uh, Michael Mondo, I think his name. Yeah. Sorry. I, I'm, I'm, I blanked just now. Mondo, no, Mondo is his last name, I believe. He's, he's great in this scene. He's great in this episode. It's just that it's so tough, right? It, it's so tough to to break through when you have Rhea Seahorn and Odin Kirk and, and everyone. <laughs> yeah, but they you know? give him this like, actual, like a really unique position to be operating out of. And he, he's able to do it. I think more or less successfully. Uh, he just literally has so much less real estate than everyone else. And he's kind of, he's the whipping boy a little bit for the show. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, he's a Jesse. Yeah. He's, he's a tra- very tragic character at least emotionally as far as uh you know everybody else goes or is so you know not in control of his own situation absolutely um back from break and jimmy is back at the hotel uh he's clued kim in on what mike told him about lala before she got home and he confirms that they're safe uh jimmy tells kim that it's time to go home and he packs their things jimmy suggests that they get room service instead the dread of this scene coming up i i was dreading it uh kim tells jimmy about what howard told him Kim doesn't believe it, or at least she thinks that it was Howard posturing. Now, there's a sense to me that she doesn't believe it, or that if she does believe it, she does believe that it was a noble act, even though us, the audience, doesn't, like, we know that it wasn't noble at all. Yeah. Uh, and so she's, I mean, at this point, she's flipped. And I said in my notes, I'm like, Kim might be more gangster than Jimmy is, and this is the point of the show where we need to be worried about 
Kim Wexler. Because whereas Jimmy is survive, Kim is control. Yeah, and Kim is much hungrier than Jimmy in a lot of ways. Jimmy mostly accidentally figures out what he wants to do. Yes, and now I see that the the, the battle lines, not even battle lines, but the lines between them are, are, are different. What Jimmy has done and what he does to people, it affects them in different ways. With Chuck, it made him go insane. With Howard, it made him depressed, and it, it, it completely ruined Howard's life for a second. With Kim, she believes in Jimmy so much, much like his father did, much like his mother did when she was, you know, when she passed away, and she said Jimmy's name instead of Chuck's. He gets in your head, and he makes you do things, and that's his that's his fatal flaw is that he thinks he's doing the right thing, and he's good at these things, but they end up hurting people. Kim has now flipped it, and she is like, she's the other side of the mirror. And this is masterful storytelling, and you wouldn't have picked up on it just from the character stuff from the beginning of the episode, but everything that's built up to this from season five or season four onward to this moment, spectacular. I I I gotta I gotta tip my hat to Peter Gould, Gilligan, and the whole team there, because this dinner scene to me is part of something that is like you have to watch it. Yeah. I mean her th- this the season five this is season five yes. rounding out her character i mean it, it's it, it is it is a rare i mean it's rare that a season of television is as good as this season was it's rare that a show that has been as good as this show has keeps getting better but that's why it's like it probably is the best show on tv uh but it is even rarer than those two things that you can actually tie all of that more or less to the show's really careful and unique development of one character and it's her uh yeah. and, and not just that but her performance of the character uh yeah. so you are the character so it's i mean w- the show wouldn't be morphing into an all-timer without her character and performance doing the same thing it was really uh it's great to watch i i i think back to the scene that was kind of disjointed at the time that we saw during uh, Wexler v. Goodman a couple of weeks ago where her mother left her, uh, you know, out, you know, outside. Yeah. And then she, she chose not to go back in the car. She walked home on her own. We see now with this going on, what that scene was about. This is again about Kim doing whatever it takes to stay in control of her own agency, of her own life. And this continuing on into her life of actually saying, telling Jimmy, you know what? Let's, 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 you know, let's punish Howard. Let's, let's do something. Let's do something bigger than bowling balls and hookers and, and yelling at him. Let's make him do something criminal, which, which brings up Sandpiper. When they brought up Sandpiper, I said, I, I think a couple of weeks ago, we said, please stop. <laughs> bringing yeah, up Sandpiper. Yeah. We don't know what this stuff is, but now the Sandpiper is back. I've rewatched the whole season, uh, every season up to this point. I, I have a, uh, it's jogged my memory. Of course, we know that the Sandpiper settlement hasn't happened yet. In season three, Jimmy did try to get the the, uh, the old ladies to settle, but they ended up backfiring and he he, he lost all of his elder clients because he, <laughs> he made things right. But uh, now we see that there, there's $2 million on the table if they can get them to settle. But they not only want the $2 million, and Kim wants the $2 million to help people, she says. Which, but that's again, a byproduct of her, her helping people as a byproduct of just her dominating a situation. 
Exactly. And and she says, you know, they get he gets 20% or 2 million of the settlement, but she wants to help people and she wants to get the money now. And we leave it we leave it that after the break. We're going to get right back to it, but this dinner scene, I I think one in this series one of the best in the, in the universe. It's it, it was great because it really like they they flipped the um, you know, when she asked him to get married, you, they that that was basically the, the other biggest turning point of the season until now and that you think is like oh she just wants to protect jimmy against her having to you know testify against him basically she wants to by marrying jimmy she's eliminating a risk from his life but actually she's creating a great like uh it, villainous legal duo in her yeah. mind yeah it, it, it is it, I gotta say, it, it's a turn we didn't see coming because, once again, the, the, they had to. Knowing this was a prequel, they had to subvert your expectation. We know that Saul is going to become Saul. I don't think that it takes too many. Like what, you know, in your mind, Pat, or anyone's mind, would it take for us to believe that he just he just becomes that guy tomorrow? It could happen at this point. He's already yeah. tipped over to that. But I think the biggest surprise is that who he's affected along the way to do that and what lives has he has he you know in inadvertently or 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 you know explicitly affected in the process to to become the Saul that we know in Breaking Bad I don't think it's a stretch to say okay this guy becomes that and believe it I think at this point we've believed it for four seasons that he's gonna yeah, become this yeah. guy and I think he's you know pretty much there by now I mean obviously the only real thing he has to do now is buy a, a storefront yeah, uh, and we're just worried about how it ends and, and, and what happens after breaking. Yeah, I mean, you know, the is still as it has been, the you know, I guess the biggest lingering question is, you know, is Kim going to get you know basically uh, killed as retribution for something that Jimmy does involving the cartel? Which if if the show that I can't help but ask that question, but at the same time the show this season has proven not only is that not going to happen, but you're not even asking the right question. You're not Mm -hmm. even thinking normally like what is going to happen. You're not anywhere near the ballpark on that. Not at all. So, so I don't, I don't, is the biggest question of the show, whether Kim is going to get killed by the cartel? Probably not. I don't know. I'm just think that at this point, no, it would seem. And even if, even if it is a valid question for the show, like you just said, it's it, she's not. It seems it would. It seems like another world now that she would be that that would even happen on this show. Yeah, right. Uh, that was we went long form on that. Sorry about that. But we're going back to we're going back to the cartel. We're back at Lalo's house again. Nacho is plotting his escape. Have you ever seen this this lock pick method to use like soda can? Uh, actually, yes. Wow, because, does it work? Uh, uh, I don't. Well, I don't know, but I will say this of lock picking. I just had to try to break into my uh, my own mailbox because I I lost the key. Oh, uh, no. But luckily, the mailbox was already broken, so uh, <laughs> it's already loose. So I was able to just uh, pop it open with a screwdriver, but I couldn't pop it closed with a screwdriver. But I had to get that rude T-shirt I bought out of there. Uh, so then uh, they fixed it for free anyway, because it was broken when I moved in. But the only YouTube channel that I am prescribed to is the lock picking lawyer and, uh, the lock picking lawyer who I don't know if he's a real lawyer. And is I it Saul? 
No, I was going to say, I just realized that he's a lawyer and I didn't even bring it up because of the law connection, but he basically will buy like, you know, a $150 home safe on Amazon. And it's like the top reviewed home safe on Amazon. And he'll be like, all right, and here's how to pop this safe open with uh, a part of a Simply Orange juice bottle. And he does. Uh, so when I saw Nacho like working the shit onto the lock, I was like, oh, okay. This is just like lock picking lawyer. He just uses household <laughs> for some reason no open these locks so uh as nacho tries to leave of course he sees lalo outside uh and lalo talks about how he doesn't sleep he only sleeps about one to two hours a day <laughs> you will never escape from me i never, never. sleep i I'm thought a- of a uh, major pain when uh they go to take the picture with him and he's laying with his eyes open in the bed <laughs> that is definitely lalo lalo is the terminator He's yeah. literally the, yeah. the Mexican Terminator. Uh, the tension here is, is is spectacular. Once again, uh, I love that they subvert once again your expectations because it is to get the people that want there to be an explosion or a death to happen, and then they they surprise them. It's like a it's like a really nicely written horror movie in a lot of yeah. senses. Yeah. Um. So Nacho he gets away to go get a drink, uh, and into plot to get out. So he fills up a pan, of course, obviously learning what he learned from Gus a couple of episodes ago. He fills a pan with oil and lights it uh, to use it for a distraction. Lalo notices the smoke and Nacho makes a run for it. Oh, my God, Pat, how many times did you piss on yourself when he was getting that lock to come off? Uh, It was, I mean, brilliantly done. Uh, (laughs) I'll say he's lucky that Lalo knows that everyone in his kitchen is very irresponsible, I guess. Uh, that was the only real buy of the episode, but he's, you know, him getting this lock open was basically uh, an entire season and a half, two seasons worth of emotional pressure channeled into one scene. And it was, you know, the beginning of like a heart racing sequence, obviously. What was more tense, that or the pills, the, the pill drop in the, in the coat? Uh, I think this just because you like the pill drop as crazily as it played out on the show, you knew it had to happen. You knew that you like it was one of the things that you're like, oh, you know the filmmaking is good because you know what's going to happen. You know it can't not happen. Yeah, but and, this, but yeah, but with this, we have to get to we have to get to you know where Nacho is and where Lalo is. So yeah, I get. It. I'll say this one as well. Uh, Nacho makes a run for it. He opens the gate just in time, and Gus's men attack. Uh, poor Ciro. He didn't. He he seemed to be the the one that that Lalo was really you know riding hard just just on, on the tough love tip. Yeah, and he got it first. Uh, they killed everyone, literally everyone. Lalo is OD though. He takes the grease, sprays on one of the guys, shoots another guy, runs upstairs. He has a fucking hidden compartment in his <laughs> tub on some. That was fucking, a real kingpin moment. Is some, having something like that. El Chapo shit. Yeah, man. exactly. He, he leaves in an underground tunnel. I love this shot. I, 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 I love it. it. I've been talking about this shot since I saw the episode. My, oh, favorite, my favorite part of the episode. This tunnel shot is so great. Both times they did it, before yeah. and after the commercial. The tunnel shot is spectacular. I love whatever, like, camera or post technique they use to, like, make it look, like, really, like, quick and choppy. Uh, I It's like a grindhouse effect almost. I absolutely love it. Uh, so we, we go to commercial from there, and I was like, okay, trying to breathe. And, 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 and trying to swap, uh, like swab my 
my DVR as fast as possible. To, yeah, you're, you're watching like a Toyota Tacoma drive through <laughs> uh, an alpine forest. Uh, so back from break, uh, Gus's mercs find the tunnel, and Lalo, of course, comes around the, from, from the front again and kills them all. Uh, nice shot of him aiming the assault rifle down the tunnel. Why are these dumbasses? Why were these dumbasses trying to go into the tunnel? These guys, I don't know. Were terrible. these guys were jackalopes. I mean, like they were like very good at what they were doing at first, but uh, like the, well, my man should have been watching the door. Like, how did they know they got everybody? Exactly. They clearly, if you don't see a dead Lalo body, your job is not done. A yeah, lot haven't people, they ever seen a fucking TV show? A lot of people have complaints about the mercenaries, uh, which again. Really unfounded. I've seen a lot of like really nitpicky complaints about the show, and maybe I'm biased because I love it, but they felt as though it made Gus look like a scrub because he couldn't get these guys to kill one guy or to kill Lalo. But I'm like, it's Lalo. This show has been setting you up for like over 11 episodes at this point to show you that this guy who has jumped into the ceiling, (laughs) literally an episode after you meet him, to kill someone. And jump down into a car, into like a into like a cliff to find someone that he's not someone to be played with. Like yeah, this I, is someone he he's had Gus's number from the moment he's been introduced. Why would he not have his number here? And I think one of the best things about Lalo that they proved in this episode, and that is also rare, is for a show this good, th- this. Uh, this late in its run to introduce a big bad successfully this late into the show. And they did that with Lalo and you know, they, I think he more or less totally earned the, the him living in the finale. It's a little bit, a little bit comic booky, I guess for the, you know, we the, got the, the twins. This, yeah, exactly. This exactly. Is a show that has the twins. Yeah, I, 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 I'm with you 100. <laughs> percent But I, I think that it, it is it is really like again, it's an incredible course of action that Gus is to us the big bad, right? Yeah. Why doesn't why is why is it bad for him to have someone above him? Yeah, and it's uh, again, it's a prequel. Like yeah. literally you're watching the people who are who they are in the show, you know, become those people. So like, you know, if you're, you don't, you don't just want to turn on the prequel and have the person already beating people's asses. Yeah. It doesn't I, make any I, sense. And, and I love that Lalo has his number in a way that we know can disrupt Gus. And that is disrupting his money. That is disrupting the, his order and everything. I think that now looking at this prequel, you see just why Walt was giving him fits because he was a, he was a, he was an outlier. He was a a force of nature like Lalo is. And that's the only thing that can take out order is, is chaos. And that is what Lalo is. And I love this character. Again, I'm, I'm not mincing any words when when I say that, like from villains all the way to protagonists to, to story, like this to me is head and shoulders above the original series in a lot of ways. Um, so, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think it is the the really the only thing you can say about this show is that it doesn't have Walt and Jesse, which, you know, if that's what you want, true. It does it, it doesn't have those things. And if that's what sold you on the world, then what can you do? But if you liked every everything else, then this is a better show. 100 percent. 
or if you can accept that they're not in, you know, it wouldn't be as good of a show if they were involved. I don't think they, I don't think we should ever see them. Yeah. And I don't think we will. There might be like some random thing, but at this point it would literally have to be like, you know, Walt and Saul, like seeing each other in line at a grocery store or something like just cutesy bullshit. That I would hate. If honestly, yeah, like, I would hate it. it. Like, there, like the, the Hank and Gomi, that was enough fan service. And it made sense. Yes. Exactly. Because, and, and again, like the, it just made all make sense. Let, let's, let's wrap this episode up really quick. Yeah. Um, we go back to Jimmy. Kim asked Jimmy what he'd do with the sandpaper settlement. Uh, she, and she's, and you know, Jimmy basically puts it out front for her. He says that what she's talking about with Howard, this isn't a bar trick. This is scorched earth. Like whatever she wants to do to Howard, it could end him for good. And Jimmy doesn't think he deserves it. And Jimmy also doesn't think that Kim would be okay with it. Now, does it tell you something that after this whole season, Jimmy is literally saying he does not think Howard deserves punishment. Yeah. Because that's because like the, the, the difference is that like Jimmy is happy I guess working for the cartel and uh, you know, otherwise just selling people cell phones. Yeah. But Kim doesn't like that. Kim wants to, act, you know, if Jimmy gets to work for the cartel and sell cell phones and throw bowling balls at Howard, that's fine. He doesn't want to, excuse me. He doesn't want to destroy Howard's livelihood. That's not like, it's not in his wheelhouse. It doesn't really help him do anything. It doesn't help him get off. But if, I guess now he will help Kim do it because it, it's what she wants. And famous final words from Kim for this season. Wouldn't I? Turns around, shoots the finger guns, and that's it for, for them for this season. Yeah. Very reminiscent of last season's It's All Good Man. Very reminiscent. And, and I believe then then it cut to the lot, yeah. then it cut to lot. Yeah, it cuts back to I, I'm just saying I'm just saying it's the last time we see them. Yeah, yeah, no, season. yeah. It was yeah, it's a. Uh, it was. Uh, I I, th- I thought it was going to go out on her doing that for for that exact reason. I I, I think either scene was strong. To be yes, honest with you, yes, yeah. either of these scenes were yeah, strong uh, because they they set and you know they set the as I'll say the battle the the battlegrounds here for season six. But we go back to Lalo. He pulls the mask off the guy. He he had the grease burned on. Very painful looking scene. Uh, the Merc says he doesn't know who hired him. Uh, but Lalo does know who hired them. Yeah. He tells he tells him to call the man and tell him that the job was completed. Lalo notices that Nacho's glass is empty and he's gone. Lalo walks up into the night. Gus and Nacho have hell to pay. And we have the setup for season six. It's Salamanca versus Fring and Wexler Goodman versus HHM. They're going to tear all of this shit down next season. I'm I I cannot wait. This is going to be spectacular. Yeah, I mean that that final shot of Lalo was was great, and it was just great proof that like, oh yeah, they nailed it. They made a good a good villain, and probably made, one of the best villains. I mean, I you know, I, this is the idea that something like Game of Thrones was as popular as it was in a universe where stuff like this was airing is absolutely insane. Right. Yeah, it, it even in the same orbit of this show is yeah. insane because it's really coming to its own. Um, the 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 walk off back to like Lalo's walk off. It, it it really was like it was more. It was gliding overall, honestly. And, and you know, it might not have been that gotcha moment, but I think when you look at him seeing Nacho's glass being full, 
and and noticing Nacho's not there, he didn't notice that, right? And yeah. it was like, oh, okay, they've all turned on me, and they all have hell to pay. But then you see right before that, they they laid it out for you where it's gonna go, and this is why no one could die now, yeah. because they you see the end game of this show, and whatever happens between these two storylines, you'll see where Gus ends up, and we're gonna see where Jimmy, Saul, and Gene end up in the tertiary. So yeah, well, there was no flash forward. Hey, yeah. I. I might get it we do it didn't even come close now uh we do have a couple of, of stray thoughts uh at the end of this uh did listen to the insider podcast spectacular episode i would advise anyone to uh who listens to the podcast to go listen to that it was a really great episode this week uh not too much to, to call from of course they they finished filming or not filming but recording all of these in february so this is before covid so they have no new information on the show yeah, but the, yeah. The, the interviews that have come out uh, they kind of lend people to think, and a lot of people are thinking that they will be shooting season six in November, December for a spring summer uh, release, which makes sense for. And uh, it could Saul. actually happen. It could actually happen. Yes, it could actually happen. Uh, if you think about it, Saul could debut uh, season six in around May, and be and be over with uh, right before Walking Dead comes back. So I, I think that might be what they do next year, but it, it is looking like we'll probably we won't be waiting that long for season uh, six. A lot of people think that during the interviews uh, that Odenkirk did a couple of weeks ago for this series for this season, they were actually filming season six already. Oh, okay, that's crazy. Yeah, that's wild. And and they certainly could have uh, filmed a few things now that they needed to. Uh, you know, if people needed to look a certain way or something now, like that. Now, how hard would it be to do a writer's room? I, I don't know if you've seen Thomas Schnauz's Twitter account where they put all of the uh, the note cards on the wall and stuff like that. That's that's yeah, very yeah. fascinating to me. But how hard do you think a, a, a remote writing room would be for a show of this caliber? Uh, I think it pro. I mean, I think it's. I think for something like this, where obviously everyone involved is really talented. And they have been working together for a while and they probably have some idea of what they want to do. It's a lot easier than uh, I know people who are on shows now who uh, they are working in remote rooms and, you know, it's the second season of a show and they don't know people very well or it's the third season of a show and they don't know people very well, you know, whatever. Uh, I think depending on the show, it's going to be uh, easy or painfully difficult to uh, to do things remotely. If you, I think, if you have a good team and you know really what you want to do, you can you can definitely do it remotely. But if you don't, you know, it's it, it's hard to capture that chemistry not in person. Of, right. You know, the idea, of the, or the the feeling of bouncing ideas off people and, and you know whatever. Yeah, but, I would rather I would rather them uh, really. I, I would rather this all this whole you know, pandemic be over, but I, yeah, I want yeah. them to be as comfortable and as ready as possible. So if, if there's a delay and it comes out maybe next September, next December, I'm cool with that too. But I think that it's, it's such a weird way that this show has somehow been able to do its whole run, <laughs> this whole yeah, yeah. run and also kind of uh, be right in the middle of it or the beginning, I'm sorry. And then kind of flow into the middle so that we could potentially get the end of this. But uh, we we are we have seen to me quite possibly one of the best seasons of TV since I mean hell Breaking Bad season five and I I think that the highs of Better Call Saul 
they're more character based rather than antics and 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 uh, you know the antics of Breaking Bad, the explosions, the 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 blockbusterness of that show. It doesn't have that. But I feel what we've gotten in return is a show that spends its time on its characters and really pays them off for you. And, you know, just from the Kim turn to even the Lalo turn, you know that there's something big that is going to happen. But they, they, they use the characters that we know they're going to survive in such a really great deceptive way to push up characters that we never knew about. And I, and I love the show for that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's we've said it's one of the best shows on TV before. It's probably the best show on TV. I, I can't. I can't there, think of anything. Yeah, I mean, you know, Watchmen is a miniseries. Uh, even, even if it weren't, I would say this is probably a better show. Uh, I, I Yeah, I don't know what what's giving this a run for its money. And this was, I mean, I be crazy to say this wasn't its best season right yeah, yeah I mean, it's it's the best season and i and i love four but this is the best season of of better call saw i think even in this truncated year that we have um i don't think there's much competition i i i would love to think that at the end of this Rhea seahorn does get the nominations because there just won't be that much tv coming out in the next couple of months yeah yeah people are at least forced to pay attention yeah exactly and i i'd, I'd love to think that that a lot of the cast members this year are going to get their just due i know it's terrible circumstances but um it has to break through in some way shape or form and uh i mean it's this it's Watchmen, like you said before uh and and to me that's that's been it for the past couple and, and Watchmen was like 2019 right like yeah, it wasn't yeah. even this year so you know, I, it's it's those two shows for me that that have, that have kind of left a lasting yeah, and impression. Yeah, I mean, even the stuff that I that is on my list to watch. I mean, I can't imagine it coming close to this. Like, no, you no. know, the, it's, uh, I'm pretty picky with with hour longs as it is, but <laughs> I, you know, I you know, I, so, sorry, snob alert, but you know, even like uh like devs, which I'm probably going to watch because basically everyone I like has either everyone I respect has either liked it or loved it. Uh, but I don't expect that to be like, you know, groundbreaking. I expect it to be good. This is like as good as it gets. Like this is one of the best seasons of TV in the last decade. Um, one more thing before we, we ride, we, we, we ride into the sunset here. Uh, the, the box of cases. I think that the box of cases that Kim has, that she's going to somehow use that to frame Howard. Because of a specific case in there or something I, else? I, I'm not sure yet. I think, once again, with Kim, it's the long game. Because remember, we saw her writing out the logo for Mesa Verde, and that led to a grift. Yeah. With Kim, it's a long game with her. I don't think it's a mistake. And I also don't think it's as innocent as, as the show was trying to make it seem like it was, that she wanted to do these, these, uh, these felony cases. Mm-hmm. I think she's had this on her mind. For a while, and I also don't think that it's a coincidence that she had them in her hands as she spoke as to, she Howard. to Howard. It will, and, yeah, and and just the, the last thing you said, it would be strange to present her character turn in this episode without you know those cases having some huge something huge to do. It's a MacGuffin. It yeah. is. It is literally a MacGuffin. And it, what is the first thing she drops on the ground when she sees Jimmy when she gets home? Is the box of cases. There's something in those cases that she's going to try and find. I don't know, if she, but she's already led us to believe that she might try and plant something on them. I know Odenkirk said in one of the interviews, he doesn't think that she's going to actually go through with it. He's not sure if she's going to go through with it. But I, I think that there's going to be something in these cases 
that she will either find or there will be something that she is going to try and, and, and pull out that will bury Howard. I, for one, love to have more Patrick Fabian on this on this uh, show. There was very little of him this year. I get why, though. But I would love to see him more next year. I think going forward, honestly, I'm not too much. Well, I, I'm guessing you're going to have Mike in the Lalo thing, right? I mean, yeah, you've got to, right? Like, it'll be, it'll be Gus, Mike, Lalo. Um, but I mean, again, like I, that storyline alone is going to be really cool too, but I, that, that's what I'm thinking. With this gonna yeah. Happen. I mean, it's, it's going to be weird. Like, it's weird that we spent most of the season with the storylines really converging. And in this final season, there's clearly going to still be some, this shit with Howard. I mean, like, um, you know, obviously they could prove me wrong on day one, but this shit with Howard is probably not going to cross over, uh, especially heavily into, uh, the stuff with Lalo, but so there will be still somewhat of a divide in the show in that regard, but you know, it's otherwise basically breaking bad at this point, but with, exactly. you know, like we've said with less antics. Uh, yeah. And, and with that, we have wrapped on season five of uh, better call Saul and this season of recalling Saul. I want to thank Pat so much for doing the show with me. I've had so much fun doing this with you for the past nine weeks. This has been my most regular human interaction uh, of, uh, of the quarantine. It, is, it has been great. Yes, absolutely. It is, it is a great show. Uh, and, and again, it's a show that we both love. And, and we love, you know, I love talking to you about TV. We can do this all day. Uh, for anyone that has listened to this and it has, you know, done the same for you guys as it has for us, just been an escape. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, I cannot wait to talk about this show again with you all in a year. Uh, it's going to be a long year, but we're going to get through it. Okay. I, can't, I can't wait to see what's going on. Uh, but until then, follow us at RNC Radio Live for all the latest and greatest. We will keep you guys updated on any new shows that we have coming out. But until then, thank you so much for listening to Recall and Saul. For Pat, I'm Justin. Stay safe. Martin. The music got the hairy fry. Shorty got potential, I could be a sponsor Met the backstage at the Summer Jam concert Hair like Rihanna, shoot get results Tell by all if she want a shot call Wanna be with a baller, shot call I can tell by all if she want a shot call Wanna be with a baller, shot call I can tell by all if she want a shot call Digger dipping in the black, three in the back Two of you fat, pimping is a fact Fresh up out the street, hop, jump to the top I'll be French Montana from the, the, the block Went solo on that, solo on the air All white, navy, blue, polo with the hat I go round, like a thunder dragon From the South Bronx, home of the original class Just another case, digging in the crates Empty out the tool, they was filling them with hate Living life fast, guess mine's on the speedboat Smokes Shorty got potential, I could be a sponsor Met the backstage at the Summer Jam concert Hair like Leona, shoot get results Tell by all if she want a shot call Wanna be with a baller, shot call I can tell by all if she want a shot call Wanna be with a baller, shot call I can tell by all if she want a shot call Back on the scene, crispy and clean LV logo, even on the chain Don't be funny style with the funky, funky child I do a Frenchy style, I let the money pile She don't wanna talk, talk, till she seen the top Oh, call me pimp homicide, let her jump out 
feel the texture. Rumbon Webster, stand on my own, not who I stand next to. Can I hit it in the morning? morning. For sure, I be tempted like a pound on the bed. Now when the money hit the flower, better pick it up. Raise your up, I could be a sponsor. Not the backstage at the summer gym concert. Hair like Rihanna, shoot game was awesome. Tell by all she wanna shot call. Wanna be with a baller, shot call. I could tell by all she wanna shot call. Wanna be with a baller, shot call. I could tell by all she wanna shot call. I could be a sponsor. Not the backstage at the summer gym concert. Hair like Rihanna, shoot game was awesome. Tell by all if she wanna shot call. Wanna be with a baller, shot call. I could tell by all if she wanna shot call. Wanna be with a baller, shot call. I could tell by all if she wanna shot call. Get up, get up. You ain't hanging on me, man. You wanna stay on my videos and I do make it. You know what I'm 